0: Welcome to the Wild and Free podcast, episode 18. I'm Ainsley Arment, here with Tina Ingold, and today we're talking more about getting started in homeschooling, specifically the topic of socialization. You'll also hear a conversation between Jennifer Pepito and Jennifer Dees about saying no to too much activity. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. we get a lot is the question about socialization. It's not usually a question. It's usually more of a judgment, Mm -hmm. even if they mean it well. It's more my only concern with homeschooling is socialization and making sure that kids can be normal, you know, when they go out in the real world or go to college. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's probably a concern in some cultures and communities. But I don't think that it really is in the real world, not Mm -hmm. the homeschooling world that I'm interacting with, not the wild and free community. We're normal people and we're homeschooling our kids so that we can give them a life education. I do think that there are some homeschooled children that are sheltered to the point of being fearful of the world or not Mm. understanding Mm. how to interact in the real world. But I don't think that that's the same as socialization. The idea of socialization that children learn how to interact and be like their peers Mm. isn't always a good thing. you know. And a lot of times people talk about socialization happening in the public schools, but I'll be honest, I don't actually see that happening. Maybe on this school bus a little bit or maybe occasionally on recess but when my son was in school all I heard was children need to be quiet there's no talking Mm. to the people at the desks next to you and Mm -hmm. at lunch they had a red light on their lunch table and it would go to orange light when they could quietly talk if they had a question Mm. but they rarely got the green light where they could freely talk because the cafeteria workers would get stressed out from the noise and I just thought well when do these children socialize you know what is this socialization we're talking about I think with homeschooling there might be the tendency to sometimes be stuck in our own little worlds but overall we have to go out into the real world we have to go shopping yeah. we have to mm-hmm. interact and we want to we want our kids to be around other children and a part of co-op sometimes mm-hmm. our kids are around adults a lot too and so yeah. a lot of times I just want to say to these people I know that you want to quiz my child or you want to see if they can interact with the crazy kid you know wherever they are in whatever yeah. group it is but I just would challenge you to talk with my children like have a real conversation with them not just about their cool shirt, but yeah. have a conversation about something
1: important because they know how to have a conversation when yeah. it's meaningful. The socialization question drives me crazy. I'm kind of over it, I think, at this point where I'm <laughs> yeah. like, seriously, are we still talking about this? But it comes up a lot. And I think the only way that that's a legit question is if you only have one child and you teach them in a closet and they never leave the house. So yeah. if all of that is true, then yes, there will be a problem with social. Socialization, But it's if so they have true. siblings and neighbors and go to church and are involved in a homeschooling group and play sports, you know, any of those, then there will never be that problem. And also, it's exactly like you said, too. We talk to our kids about hard things and important things. So our kids are learning to be good socializers with adults and their siblings. And I just think it's really important for us as parents to teach them how to have good conversations communication skills and to look people in the eye and to shake their hands and we always tell our kids you guys are a testimony you know when we go out in public people are watching you my kids will always say why are people staring at us or why you know why are people looking at us but it's because you know people aren't interested in bigger families Mm -hmm. you know they're interested in little kids you know so people are always watching you and so you're a testimony
0: just like you said if you're living in a hovel somewhere by yourself but even then I feel like no nobody's really doing that I mean yeah maybe in some <laughs> right. really unusual communities but last year we did a, a bundle it was called siblings and so Aww, we just talked yeah. about you know the relationships we talked about homeschooling it was really just a theme to talk about anything but we had a whole section in there written by several moms who are um, moms of single children or only mm-hmm. children you know they address that issue of socialization of ways that they get mm-hmm. their kids around other kids how they keep homeschooling exciting when it's just them and uh-huh. so I loved that because I feel like that is a question and people do often write in and say I want to homeschool my only child but I'm worried for him or her Mm -hmm. because it would just be him the majority of the time so I love that for a reference I love sending people to that particular section of the bundles that we've done because I feel like it's an encouragement to see how other moms have done it. friends we have some exciting things coming to wild and free later this summer to be the first to know about new offerings special events and upcoming conferences you can sign up to receive our regular emails at bewildandfree.org just click the link at the bottom of the website you know and something else encouraging me lately and just kind of reinforcing that is the book that I'm reading Free to Learn by Peter Gray the subtitle is Why Unleashing the Instinct to Play Will Make Our Children Happier, More Self-Reliant, and Better Students for Life. He actually runs a school um, in the Northeast. It reminds me of the schools in Finland where Mm. they're very free, there isn't classes necessarily, it's open environment, they have access to computers, they have access to play and it's very age mixed all the children are kind of learning together in open groups and seating environments and things like that but this is a quote from his book part of the natural process of growing up is to look ahead at those who are further along but not so far along as to be out of reach and then he Mm -hmm. said in an aged mixed environment children learn from older children by watching and listening even when they are not directly interacting with them it's so important to remember that it's not necessarily healthy to herd kids off with just their own age group that there's so much to learn from this mixed age learning groups and that's why I love homeschooling and whether you have older siblings or not you have co-ops that are mixed with age. I love our wild and free groups how they just all play together you know we Mm -hmm. met there was probably 60 kids at our group gathering last week and it was huge and there was kids of all ages and you know my 13 year old is probably one of the older boys but there are some older children that come and even if they were in a small setting where they had to play together they might not have necessarily had the same interests but there was a younger boy who was about 9 years old and said let's play capture the flag we can just use our sweatshirts as flags Aww. and there's this big open area and you know my 13 year old son said yeah that's cool and we just can't go back in that area which was kind of wooded and yeah. out of the parents sight. and uh-huh. and they started coming up <laughs> with all these plans but they just started working together to create a game because I feel like in play you can work in different age groups I don't know it just seems so natural
1: yeah it does I be. love that you know
0: having an older children too there's times where I think well he's always the oldest is it always healthy for him to be around younger children you know and I think there is that balance like I definitely want him around older children and I try to find opportunities from that but Peter Gray was talking about a situation in his school where the children are just playing together and if the younger children are you know doing something that an older child wouldn't necessarily be interested in doing the older children will sometimes come along and just start doing it with the younger children because it looks mm-hmm. inviting to see young children at play and and he said that even when they weren't playing directly with them meaning the younger children the mere mm-hmm. presence of younger children and their playthings seemed seem to inspire the older students to play more creatively. I love that. And he actually had a sociologist and a psychologist come in and observe his school for about four weeks, just to be an objective voice in what his observations were. So a lot of this came from that as well. There's so many other nuggets from that. But just loved all the the insight that came from age mixing, which I think is such an important part of socialization that school actually gets wrong.
1: Yeah, that is so true, because they're all bundled together, they're same age. And you're right, I've even witnessed that with my own kids. You know, my youngest will get out his little, Lego Duplos and put them together and it'll inspire the older one he'll actually grab a handful and bring them out to the living room where my youngest is and put his together while my youngest one is putting his big Duplos together you know and it's really sweet and I think even with reading you know sometimes I'll do my read-alouds with my oldest and okay we were reading uh, The Witch of Blackbird Pond which I love that story Mm. but I was reading it with my oldest and when my husband got home that night my youngest who's only four he was only three at the time he was exploring the chapter that we had just read to his dad mm. and it was just so interesting to me that the youngest one was picking up some of the story and actually comprehending it and you know I would never just pick up and read that story to my three year old but because right. he was you know in the same room or a part of that learning environment he really was picking up on some things and understanding and I think that's something that's really special it brings
0: an empathy to have younger children around and it's an invitation to be childlike yeah. it's almost an mm-hmm. excuse for them to be childlike. Like again, they don't have to put on fronts, they're not around their friends, they can just be free to experience the joy that their younger siblings are experiencing. And then the younger children get so much benefits from observing, you know, and learning through that. And you think about just how little observation is going on in the traditional school setting, it's just all being spoken to or textbook, and there's almost little to none observation. It's playing with the experiment materials, and the teacher saying, Okay, okay, you know, we can play with. That later, but it's time to do science. And it's like, what? They were just experimenting, you know? Uh huh. <laughs> Had a really random encounter today, I feel like it was just meant to be, but I had to get some work done, so I left the house and Ben was home with the kids, and I went to work at my favorite little local shop here. It's a vegan juice mm. shop and cafe, and, and there's a new manager there, a new store manager. And she sat down for a minute, and I don't know how it happened, but just within the first few minutes, she found out that I homeschooled five mm. children, and she told me that she is one of five children and her mom homeschooled her.
1: Oh wow. And
0: she had just recently graduated from ECU and his had majored in hospitality and food service. So she got this job that she was so excited about. I don't know. It was just such a neat encounter because she just absolutely adored being homeschooled. And she was so social and well-adjusted and just full Mm. of heart. And you could tell just had a depth to her of just really the appreciation. And she just came out and said, homeschool moms don't get any credit. I feel like they don't get all the (laughs) props that they need. She's like, my mom is incredible. I try to tell her that all the time. And she said, she's just an amazing mom she said homeschooling really isn't different than parenting it's just a deeper level of parenting she said that some of her favorite memories are just being at home she said as social as Mm -hmm. she is she just really values that home was just kind of the center of their life and all their siblings just are so close and Mm -hmm. she has so many memories of her mom reading to them by the fire Mm -hmm. and they're just playing and her mom is reading to them and she said she was getting chills talking about it but just uh, she was so grateful for the opportunity to reflect on that and and so I told her how much it encouraged me to hear that she loved being homeschooled, even mm. though she had some time in middle school where she thought, I'm never homeschooling my children because <laughs> she just wanted to be away from her house and her parents. But, you know, she said yeah. that was so short lived. <laughs> yeah.
1: so. The truth is, is there are some very hard days of homeschooling, but I like to think for the most part that our kids will have really great memories of it mm. and the closeness, the togetherness, the being at home. You know, I, I really think that those are the memories that are going to stick out in their minds the most not the hard days when everybody was grumpy and you know I slam the book shut because nobody's listening (laughs) you know those are really (laughs) real things that happen but like I said I think for the most part we're just gonna remember the really wonderful times of togetherness yeah Now we're going to
0: listen in on a conversation that Jennifer Pepito and Jennifer Dees had about this very topic of socialization. Jennifer Dees discusses homeschooling her teens, saying no to extra activities, and keeping their lives simple. Let's listen in.
2: Today I'm talking to Jen Dees. She's on Instagram at, at @jendds. So I just wanted to have you talk to us a little bit before we start into our conversation about how old your kids are.
3: Yeah, uh-huh. I have a 15-year-old, 13, 8, and 2-year-old.
2: So Wow, so you have a 15-year-old. That means you're homeschooling a teen, and I think for a lot of people, homeschooling starts to go south for them when they can't find community for their teens. Like their kids are in youth group or they're in scouting or something, and then all the kids' friends are in institutional schools or public schools, private schools, and then the parents go, oh, my kids want to be with their friends. I better put them with their friends.
3: Okay, that's interesting. So, we haven't had that
2: experience. Right. Because why? Why?
3: Well, my kids have a lot of friends who are also homeschooled. So I think that helps. And at our church, it's always been all the kids kind of together with the adults. And so I don't know that my son relates more to 15-year-olds than any other age group. I would say he has a lot of friends that are younger, and he spends a lot of time talking with adults. And so hitting high school hasn't been all that different for us in our house.
2: Basically, you developed a community early on that protected them from those kinds of disappointments. Appointments and yearnings that can come for teens. I
3: guess so, and it wasn't at all intentional. I just was always excited when I would meet another mom who lives local and she's homeschooling, and on top of everything else, she's doing a Charlotte Mason type education. And so, through that, we've started a nature group where we go out on a once a week basis and do a little trail, and that's become community for my kids to a huge degree. They love
2: that one day a week. And are there other kids in that nature group who are their ages? I think my two
3: oldest boys are the oldest, but then they're There's quite a few that are 12, 11... And younger.
2: I think that for our family, I've done a lot of talking to my kids about being leaders or talking to them about being kind to younger people, as opposed to making a huge emphasis on only being with kids your own age. uh
3: And the times when they are around kids that are older than them, I emphasize to them that I want them to not be a follower unless they're following good habits. And so that's something I'm always on the lookout for is who in the friendship is the influencer and is it a good influence?
2: In a way you are having a conversation with them that encourages them to be a leader yes, in their friendships.
3: For sure. Whether the kids are older or right. whether think, they're younger. Because sometimes a younger child can have a dominant personality, and all of a sudden my older kid is picking up all their phrases and their habits. I want them to just be mindful of that.
2: I think another thing that is so impactful with our teens are those conversations. You know, whether it's a conversation about being a leader and an influencer, or whether it's a conversation about being friends with their siblings, I think that there's so much that is actually communicated to our kids by our our own attitudes about friendships, whether we look at them and think, oh, poor you, you don't have any friends your age, or we think, hey, how awesome that you have all these siblings and these younger kids and you get to be friends with grandparents and kind of a conversation that changes the dynamic. Yeah, that's for a good
3: point. And also how much they see us putting out effort for our friendships and how much we value our friendships.
2: Now you do live in a big community. Are there a lot of classes that your kids can take and develop community? There's way
3: too many options where I live. So personally, I like to be home a certain number of days. So we have to say no to so many amazing opportunities. But my kids do once a week take some classes, and they love the friendships they've made through those.
2: So how do you decide for your family what to focus on? Because you guys seem like you're good at a lot of stuff at nature journaling, and you're good at music, and you're speaking French. So how do you make decisions about what classes to take and which ones not to take? For
3: the most part, I love things that we can learn without taking a class. So we've done French at home for years, and we do nature journaling at home. And just recently, a French class opportunity came up, and it's pretty rare to find a French class for homeschool kids. So I was like, we're definitely doing that. But it's just when a friend lets me know of a class their kids are in, and it sounds like something I don't want to miss out on, every now and then we'll we'll make the commitment. But music is the main thing we've made time for in terms of classes, and most everything else we do at home.
2: I think a lot of people feel like, okay, so I'm going to be vision-minded and I'm going to limit the activities uh-huh. to one per child. But for you, you have four. I think four. Yeah. So if you did four different activities, yeah. every kid gets to choose their own activity. How would you manage that? Or is my two-year-old that doesn't get anything do?
3: at the moment. So that's easy. And then with music classes, we've been fortunate to have this homeschool music community where the kids at different ages can be in the same group. So my two oldest boys have played together for years. And then um, my eight-year-old daughter, Has had a separate class from them So it's pretty much been two music classes Which has been pretty easy And then I even can sit in with them and play if I want And then one day a week outside of that We've had a couple other things But it's all at one location
2: So you aren't in the car at mealtimes or on weekends That kind of thing No, I've always had all
3: our classes before dinner time. So it doesn't affect our evenings with my husband. Now that could change if something amazing came up. And actually, I should say one of their music classes once a week is kind of late. So we eat dinner late that day. But for the most part, I don't want things that are in the evening. And I've said no to many things because they're only offered in the evening.
2: I think that's such an important part of homeschooling and especially wild in free homeschooling is just knowing what yeah. your yes is going to be and then having yeah. a strong no. Because I think so many people feel like their kids aren't getting that free time time to play or not getting that time in nature, or even the time to build good relationships, because they feel this pressure to be in all kinds of activities. Yeah, I have to classes. tell myself
3: often that it's okay, we're missing out on that, they're not going to be great at everything. And they're not even going to be exposed to everything, because certain things are just so important to us. And eating dinner together as a family is and having evenings that are not rushed, is really high on my list. And there's been a few times where I've stepped a little outside of what I'm comfortable with and added even a class during the day, but in Extra day that we weren't normally in the car, and it just adds stress to our life. So I feel a big difference. If I can have two school days a week where we don't have to get in the car, that makes it much more peaceful around here.
0: Thanks so much, Jennifer. You can check out the whole conversation between Jennifer Pepito and Jennifer Dees all about nature journaling and community in next month's bundle, Seaside. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but join us next week for the Wild and Free podcast. Oh, e